Leafs podcast. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's Nick D'Souza and Kevin Papetti. Welcome to the Everything Leafs podcast. I'm Kevin Papetti here with Nick D'Souza. As always, we have a trade deadline edition of the Everything Leafs podcast. First question, Nick. Will Rasmus Sandin pull a Luke Shen in return when he's 33? I hope so. I mean, he's a he's a fan favorite. I think a lot of people liked him. and But you know what? This Shen trade, kind of cool. I was a little surprised at first, but uh, the Leafs Twitter account had a great tweet saying the past Shen with him with the WWE title. So anytime WWE is involved, you know I'm on board. Yeah, I hope they start thinking on the Sandine captions for 2023 because I'd love to see it. I know he was a favorite of both of ours. Watched him kind of develop in, but... I guess let's let's go in let's go in trade by trade before we do that. Just a just an overall grade of the Leafs deadline. Um, I guess starting from the O'Reilly trade onwards, uh, we'll count that as well. Obviously, uh, what would you give them as a letter grade? Um, a B plus. You know, I know we'll get into everything. I'll, I'll give them a B plus. I think they did a, I think they did an overall really solid job um, addressing a lot of the needs. Wasn't at the A just yet. I think I probably was there before Thursday, but we'll get into that. I, I give him a B plus. Yeah, I give him an A minus. Um, I think they probably could have got one more forward. Like, you know, obviously today, deadline day, very, very boring across the league. I don't it seemed like everyone was already traded. There wasn't really much out there. But if they had if they had flipped that first round pick for something that, you know, with term, kinda like the forward edition of McCabe, um, I think that would have bumped him up to an A plus for me. Same. Obviously, have some questions in terms of, like didn't necessarily get amazing value. I thought the McCabe trade was great, but I mean we'll go we'll go trade by trade in a sec. But I, I'd be a little higher on on than you are. Um, I'm curious to see you know who signs team friendly extensions. Like I think the really the keys O'Reilly as much as you know Achari's look great and you know Luke Shen would be kind of nice at league minimum again. Uh, the the real question is going to be O'Reilly. Does does he extend or is this a pure rental right so i'll give him a bit better of a grade let's start with that o'reilly trade i know we talked about it a little bit last week nick but we have had a chance now to see it obviously that buffalo game he had the hat trick um we've seen some nights where you know he's been pretty good defensively not as good offensively he's back on the in the bottom six now centering the third line um what are your thoughts just on that trade overall well, I think at the time of the trade, both you and I really liked it. I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't think the, I think the price when you consider the retention and the player they're getting is was quite fair. Um, I think they definitely get, you know, a lot more value if if O'Reilly does resign for a good, a good term and um, you know a good contract in the off season. But overall, I think that's a great trade. Um, and there, there's definitely early returns with the hat trick in you know the second game. I think it was. Um, him with the Leafs, I think already we've seen him play on the third line as a center, and it's looked really good. Um, and then obviously with with Tavares and Nylander, and and with Marner, I mean that game he had the high trick, the one with Nylander, they had a bit of a rough game, but I think overall with O'Reilly, you got to be really happy, and and he's really the big star that they've they've gotten here, so I, I think you have to be happy with that. And Achari, I mean he's come as advertised, I think. 
he's been quite good. He's definitely been a bright spot early on. So we'll see. They'll definitely need his his goal scoring. I mean, he's a former 20-goal scorer in, I think it was 60-something games uh, with Florida. Last year, he had 10 goals. Actually, this year, sorry, he has 10 goals in, in 54 games with the Blues and already has one as a Leaf. So I think with Achari, you know, you need that goal scoring because you'll need him to and some of the other members to really chip in uh, in the bottom six when you're playing Tampa and Boston in a, in a playoff series. So, you know, my, my, my mind hasn't really changed with that trade. I think that was a great trade. And, um, you know, if I degrade it, I'd give it probably an A or an A minus and then probably gets bumped up to an A plus if O'Reilly resigns in the summer. So uh, definitely a good start for the Leafs uh, to that whole trade, kind of the trade deadline season. Yeah. So I think I don't want to overlook Achari too much because he has been great. Like the, He's been playing on the fourth line. The fourth line's been outstanding by expected goals. That line mm-hmm. has struggled most of the year, regardless of who's been on it. I know Callie Arncroak started the year there, really struggled. We've seen Ashton Reese there kind of get outscored, outchanced night after night. But since he's joined, he's, he's really played well. Um, I do think there's a chance that he extends and ex- extends for a team-friendly contract, and it's a, a key piece of the, the fourth line going forward because they did have interest mm-hmm. in him last offseason, but really the jewel of that trade is O'Reilly, and I think I think there's really two ways that the Leafs win this trade. Either A, they go on a deep playoff run and nobody cares about the draft capital, or B, he doesn't just extend, but he extends for a team-friendly extension. So I don't think it's going to be Giordano. I don't think it's going to be close to league minimum. But, you know, you saw what Kadri got in Calgary. It's the same age as O'Reilly. Uh, if, he, if he's even at, like, $5 million, I think that's a pretty team-friendly deal, depending on term. Um, and, and just that ability to go three deep at center is is really impressive. I, I know O'Reilly looks great against Buffalo there with, with Marner and Tavares, but to me it's it's being able to attack with three lines, the ability to go, okay, O'Reilly can take, former Selkie winner, he could take top competition, you know, Matthews takes another top six line, and then Tavares can feast on, on a bottom six line. That's, I think, a great strategy to go in with. Um, and I think so far the early returns are great. I think Achari's exceeded my expectations for sure. And I think O'Reilly, you know, he was coming off an injury, kind of had a bit a bit lower uh, point pace uh, for, by his standards at least. So there were some questions about a possible decline. But so far I haven't really seen it. I, I know, you know, I listened to that, that interview with his father on, on the Fan 590 uh, on the Fan Morning Show there. And very, the family's very excited to see him in Toronto. He has made more than Giordano in his career. Uh, I think there's a real good chance that he takes like a million less. It's not going to be Giordano-level discount, but if, even if it's a million less or a million and a half less, um, you know, you could have something similar to the Giordano situation where the picks are 100% worth it because you have O'Reilly for three, four years on a team-friendly number. So uh, I, I think that one's really a, a to be determined. I think that's often the case with a lot of rentals where, you know, you you, you, you you like it because it gives your team a spark, but it is a high cost to pay. Um, but we did want a forward neck. I think we were both, you know, if we yeah. fast forward a few weeks ago, or I guess rewind a few weeks ago, um, we both wanted an impact forward, and that was really the best forward available other than Timo Meyer, who didn't really fit the cap situation going forward. Yeah, and especially just given the fit, I think O'Reilly, the fact that he can play center, we're already seeing just how good the Leafs look when he is the third line center and, and just how just how scary they can look, you know, when, when Tavares, Matthews and, and O'Reilly are on the ice for most of the game, I think that's something that's definitely gonna benefit the Leafs. So I think the fit's just there. But 
let's move on because I know we talked about O'Reilly. I think I think people like that trade for the most part, just universally. But um, I think as the week went on, you can kind of get in a, little, a little bit more murky waters. But I think let's get on to the McCabe trade here. So what that trade was was McCabe, Lafferty, two fifth-round picks, one conditional for Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, and a conditional first-round pick and a second-round pick. I love this trade, Kevin. Um, you know, both you and I talked about McCabe. That was my prediction about a month and a half ago when we were recording that McCabe was going to be traded to the Leafs. I think it was pretty obvious. Just the fact that he had a, you know, seven teams that were on the no, that he didn't want to get traded to, all the Canadian teams, and the Leafs were not on that list. I think that's pretty telling in itself. Um, all the rumors that were and all the smoke that was behind McCabe. So I'm definitely not surprised I do remember I'm not uh, I'm not radioing you here but I do remember you saying that if McCabe if it was McCabe for a first at at 50% retained you felt like it was a steal I also thought it was a good deal I think that's somewhat what the Leafs kind of gave up obviously the second round picks there Um, Anderson and Gogolev to me really don't really hold much value Um, and then the two fifth round picks are whatever so if you really look at it, McCabe and Lafferty for a second and a first, I think that's a pretty good deal for the Leafs considering McCabe has term and $2 million for two seasons after this, Kevin. I mean, I think both you and I know how valuable that's going to be. And even with Lafferty, you know, I want to string in the Engvall trade after this because Lafferty is a very interesting player. You know, after February 27th when the trade was done, I was very excited you know, if, if the Leafs kind of ended there, I probably would have given them an A to an A+. I thought those two trades were so good that I would have probably been very, very, very happy with the trade deadline. Um, I think with McCabe, I mean, you already see his results. I mean, he looks like probably the best left defenseman the Leafs have right now. He's very poised. I love how physical he is. Um, he, Him and Brody look like... They were just made for each other, very similar to how Muzzin and Brody were on that pairing. So I, I'm 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 really happy with McCabe. Lafferty, I think we'll see. I love his speed. I love his his how tenacious he is. Uh he's an interesting player. I think the big thing with Lafferty is how much can he drive a line or how big of a play driver he is, especially now that Pierre Engvall, a guy that's pretty much been given really tough competition over the years, he's and he's pretty much knocked it out of the park in terms of expected goals, in terms of just driving a line. Engvall's been very, very good. So it almost feels like Lafferty's that guy that's going to replace him. Now, in terms of play driving, Lafferty's a little interesting. It's it's very difficult, Kevin, to kind of judge him because he was on you know a pretty bad Chicago team. But he was third on the team in terms of expected goals. Um percentage at five on five it's 43 percent but that team was so bad that that's actually just third especially when you uh kind of filter out some of the players that hardly played this year so i guess we'll have to wait and see with lafferty i do like the package in general and sometimes you see these these players that especially guys that are in defensive situations um even defensive forwards where they're given quite a few defensive zone starts and the expected goals looks pretty bad and then they go to a good team and they're just very good defensively so we'll have to wait and see with Lafferty but I overall loved the McCabe and Lafferty deal in general yeah I thought that was their best trade um we we talked about McCabe on the that two podcasts ago it's called the Bo Bo Horvat podcast that we did around the 19 (laughs) minute mark 
And I, I was early on the McCabe train, so... You know, I had watched him play in December. He had pretty good underlying numbers over a longer sample. It kind of depend. I wouldn't call him an analytics darling because you kind of had to, you know, some things are kind of higher on him than others. But watching him play in December, and then you know, just kept watching him because I wanted to see Lafferty, so I ended up watching him. I wanted to see Kane, so I ended up watching more of him. Uh, I think I play. I watched him play like 13, 14, 15 games, and I, I just really like the player. Like if you looked at Domlish's and market value uh, for him. I think it was like mid fours, mid to high fours. And I was watching him play thinking, yeah, like he skates like a shutdown defenseman. He has the size, he has the transition defense. And I, as I said on that podcast, like I, when Frank, Frank Saravelli said on the JD Bunkers podcast, you know, you get him for 2 million at 50% retain. They're looking for a first. I did think that was a steal. So um, I, I think the earlier trends have been great. I really like the McCabe Brody. I just think they're they're big. They're good transition defenders, good stick on stick defenders. And then you look at just the value. Like you really need value. You really need that team friendly contract that third year when you have to resign Matthews Nylander. So I think I think as you laid it out, Nick, it's a first for McCabe, and then. I thought Lafferty was going to go for a late second, and the, I think basically the Leafs got a second, gave up a second, but got two fifths. And the picks are also further out, so you have to figure those are a little bit less valuable. Yeah. I think uh, one one very not important thing that I thought was kind of funny was the two fifth-round picks. Just the last two fifth-round picks the Leafs made, Ty Voigt and Nikita Grabinkin. So... Dubas is just starting to get a little bit cocky with his fifth round picks, asking for two. <laughs> I don't for know. That one, so. We'll see you with those guys. <laughs> the next Nikita Grabink in there. But what did you think of the Engvall trade? Because that was um, the next day on February 28th. Just have Cap Friendly's Leafs trade history here. What did you think of the Engvall deal? Because I do think that somewhat ties into the Lafferty um, just in terms of a replacement. Yeah, so I guess we'll start with Lafferty. He's a phenomenal skater, like very, very mm-hmm. fast. Uh, again, watched him play with Chicago. For whatever reason, like, I don't know if it was just, like, the more analytics-prone people on Twitter, like, didn't like McCabe and Lafferty. I liked them. Like, I was probably the only one watching Chicago, though. Um, but, you know, McCabe just... It's it's tough to get decent numbers on such a bad team. And yeah. you look at Lafferty's ability to short, score shorthanded. You look at just the speed, his forechecking ability. Um, he kind of reminds... He's not Mikhaev, but you look at what Ilya Mikhaev signed for and that his PK ability is speed. And I was really interested to see a line of Engvall, uh, Camp, Lafferty because... That's what I thought, yeah. But, yeah, so I, I think the Lafferty one, you know, a second seemed like a bit much. Maybe you add in the two-fifths, so it's, like, kind of more similar to a third, and, and it seems about right. I thought that was an A-plus deal for the Leafs. Uh, Anderson had just cleared waivers. He didn't have value. It's nice to see him get a chance. Gogolev was just a con, like he was in the ECHL. That was just to get rid of a contract. Uh, the picks were further out. Like I, I can't believe that offer wasn't there wasn't a better offer out there. Uh, I thought I kind of would have liked it more if they were more aggressive and they just you know didn't trade for a first later on. We'll get to that soon. Um, I, I kind of like the all in approach where you're just like you know what, like I don't like giving up firsts for rentals, but when it's three years of a good player at a team friendly contract, I liked it. But I'll let you start on Engvall. Yeah, I mean, I, I said a little bit about it. I was very surprised by the deal. Um, you know, if you asked me last week who would get traded between Engvall and Kerfoot, I definitely would have said Kerfoot. That was the question, I'm, though, right? Like, it's this is about it's not about that they traded Engvall. It's about they had to trade someone, and yeah. it's really an Engvall versus Kerfoot versus Hall debate. 
I, if I had to rank them, I would have said Kerfoot, Paul, Engvall. I think Engvall, how good he's been in terms of those minutes. Yes, he's not physical. Yes, he doesn't score on all the scoring chances. But I, I think sometimes when we watch as fans, we don't, especially if you're not looking at the numbers at the end of the game, like the the usage really matters. And you can't look at a player like that's getting, you know, 10 defensive zone starts a game that's playing with David Camp the same way that you're looking at a, um, a player like Kerfoot, let's say, that's playing with Tavares Nylander. Um, it's not apples to apples. So I think with Engvall, the fact that he's known on the team, and I said the same thing about Mikheyev, the fact that those two were, were known on as the guys that have so many diff- dangerous scoring chances and can't score is pretty incredible in itself because when you look across the league at guys who have that type of usage, have that many defensive zone starts and you know those line mates, they don't get that many chances. So I was surprised. I know both you and I are fans of Pierre Engvall. Um, I, I think Lafferty can definitely replace those minutes and definitely give them a bit more of a physical element to me, Kevin, this just seemed like there was a very clear direction that the Leafs wanted to go in terms of kind of filling in the the, the spots, um, in terms of additions and subtractions. It to me, it looks like this team wants to become a lot better along the boards, a lot better in front of the net, and just a lot meaner of a team. And and I think Pierre Engvall, they were willing to sacrifice potentially some some neutral zone play in Pierre Engvall and Rasmus Sandin. So. Um, I think they definitely have mission accomplished. Time will tell if they lose some of that play driving from Engvall, especially in that bottom six. But I think Lafferty can definitely fill it in. Time will tell. It's tough to say, but I was definitely surprised by the Engvall deal. Yeah, I would have. I would have preferred Kerfoot for sure. Um, you know, he Kerfoot. Engvall has pretty good play driving numbers in terms of expected goals. Like whoever he's played with in the bottom six, not that they've been scoring a ton because that's not Engvall's skill set. But he's really good at gaining the zone and just getting on the cycle and just wasting time, basically. And that has value. Um, yeah. I, I think he's he was one of their better forwards defensively. He was, you know, without him, you're, you're kind of lacking in terms of transition skill, especially if O'Reilly's in the top six. Um, so I am not sure how that will shake out. Time will tell. Um, Camp's numbers away from Engvall have been terrible, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. We'll see if... You know, the additions of guys like Achari, Lafferty, maybe a guy like Nyes comes in and, and helps that. But, yeah, my, my preference was definitely Kerfoot. I know he had been playing well on the fourth line with Achari there right before the trade. I don't know if that swung things. I don't know if Engvall had, you know, maybe Engvall had a little bit more trade value than Kerfoot. Um, maybe that's what, what did it. But for me, I would have mm-hmm. preferred, especially given that you have three centers already, you don't really need Kerfoot to play center, which is part of his skill set. I would have preferred to keep... Angval trade Kerfoot. And I know uh, it's kind of funny that, that Lou Lamorello is the one that went out and got Engvall. I thought, I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Especially like, Engvall is kind of like the analytics guy, you know, <laughs> like he's got the good charts. Um, I, I do think, you know, people can overrate him, but I do think he's such an underrated player by most of the fan base just because he's so frustrating to watch, but actually like quite effective, right? Like I think I've said this before, like if Engvall was physical if he hit and fought that guy's getting five million a year right so yes he doesn't do those things but you're paying him a lot less because of that and it kind of makes it worth it um they they seem to love Kerfoot Kerfoot seems to 
survive every every single <laughs> offseason, every single trade deadline. We think they're going to trade him. Never happens. I remember they traded Yon, like obviously they traded Andreas Janssen, they traded Kasperi Kapanen, who made similar money when it seemed like they were going to, but they kept Kerfoot. Um, never ends. We'll see if he's staying beyond this year. Expansion draft. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's going to be signing an eight-year deal with a full no-move clause in the next few days. That's what it's, uh, I mean, at this point, nothing would surprise me. I didn't really mind, like, the deal itself, like, getting Shen, because it was basically Engvall for Shen. I liked the addition of Shen. I think he's a good depth defenseman, mm-hmm. a good, good cap hit. Um, given their strategy, unless they were going to trade someone else, they kind of had to get someone really cheap. So Shen makes sense. I think Shen could, could ex- like, extend for a team-friendly deal. I thought Shen looked good against Calgary. Uh, I'm kind of just open-minded on Shen right now. I could see it going very poorly where, you know, maybe maybe Lilligren's playing well and gets scratched in the playoffs. Maybe Shen gets burned by speed, doesn't look so great, looks like a number seven. Um, you know, he. I guess let's be real. Like, he went for a third, not a second, right? So a lot of teams around the league maybe didn't see him as a, as a true, you know, top six guy. If he's playing with Riley, I think he could get exposed against tougher competition. But at the same time, like I'm higher on him than some of the people online that they kind of think he's, you know, useless. Like I, I think he's a half decent NHL player. I guess I'm just keeping an open mind right now. I'm gonna watch him play a handful of games and, and we'll see what I'm saying in a week from now. Somewhat similar to how I feel about it. I mean, I think Shen's obviously a guy that we've seen him work on a winning team at the end of the day. And, you know, I don't wanna really appeal to authority when it comes to him, but I think he's at the end of the day. Toronto needed to figure out what they were going to do with Riley and Riley Hall has not worked. Riley Lilgren has been a little bit better, um, pretty much a 50-50 team uh, pairing in terms of expected goals. They are getting outscored a little bit at five on five. And then Riley Brody, we do know works, but you want Brody to be on that shutdown pair, just like how he was with Muzzin. You want to free him up and allow him to play with McCabe in this situation. So I definitely did feel like the Leafs needed kind of like that Ilya Labushkin type trade where a defensive defenseman who's going to stay back, you know, allow Riley to go up without, you know, the the whole fan base being in fear of there being a two, uh, like a three on O the other way. So um, I thought he looked good against Calgary too. I thought it was kind of funny that probably for the first time in a very long time, Shen had more offensive zone starts than defensive zone starts playing with Riley. So I thought that was funny, but I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I just hope that they don't staple Shen into the top six because um, also Lilligren, Hall, they're all there. So, you know, I'm sure over the next 20 games, there's going to be a bit of competition as, as Dubas said in his presser today. Yeah, again, I'm just open-minded with him. Like, I, I think getting, like, the trade itself was, I mean... It wasn't directly for Engvall. I don't know if I would have done Engvall for Shen, but once you decided Engvall versus Kerfoot, you're training Engvall, let's just put that aside. Um, I think the idea of getting Shen is a pretty good idea. Like I think he I think he won a cup with Tampa. He looked decent with Quinn Hughes in Vancouver. Um, he's a good guy to have around. I personally don't... I'm not the biggest Connor Timmons fan. I know he's got a bunch of points. I just don't trust him defensively. Not sure I've seen enough of him that I want him in a playoff game. So I like having the depth. Um, and it does give you another option, like a shutdown defenseman to play with Riley. Ideally, that's in sheltered minutes. But yeah. I'm willing to see it. Like I think worst case, you get a, a decent seventh defenseman. 
And, you know, best case, you have a good fit with, with Riley. Kind of like how Labushkin looked at points. I mean, I think Labushkin at the end didn't look great. But no. at, at times last year, Labushkin looked pretty good. So uh, let's wait and see. We'll keep we'll keep an open mind on Shen. Um, I, I think overall, I guess the one we're nitpicking is Kerfoot over, over Engvall. It's, it's tough to know with Kerfoot just because he can't beat a goalie. He doesn't have the same play driving skill as Engvall. Um, he is good defensively, Kerfoot. He does kill penalties. Um, he has elevated his play at times in the playoffs. Um, he would have freed up a little bit more cap space, but Kerfoot's cap space doesn't count unless you're going to use it, right? So uh, unless they had another deal plan, they still could have traded Kerfoot today if they wanted to, if something came up. Um, it was interesting to kind of see. I was, I was waiting to see if we get a big move, but let's get, I guess, to the big one, unless you have anything else on uh, on that Engvall slash Sen, or should we get into yeah. the, the big uh, one with Washington? Quick, I'll just say really quick that last night, I really wanted to watch the defensive defenseman ice time. Obviously, it's the first game for Shen, first game for Gustafson in the 7D thing. But I think it's, it's good to see where Keefe's mind is. So it was nice that it was a, a pretty close game throughout the whole game. Um, and then obviously, they had to defend the lead at the end. So Brody had 20 minutes, just over 20 minutes. McCabe was at 17. Hall, 15.37. Uh, then Giordano at 15.13. Riley, 14.43. Then the last two were Shen just over ten minutes and Gustafson at nine. So is this five on yeah, five? Yeah, this is at five on five. Oh, okay. Riley was fifth in ice time. So, um, yeah, something to just watch. I mean, those are the types of minutes I would kind of want Riley to be in, especially when they're defending a lead. You definitely want Giordano, Hall, McKay, Brody, and you know, with this current decor, they can kind of do that. So just something to watch uh, before we start talking about Sandine here, which was a it was a trade. It was definitely a trade. Let, let's get your thoughts on it first, Kevin, because uh, it was... It was I, 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 I'm still processing it. I'm probably less upset than you are. Um, so maybe... I don't know if you want to go first. Like, you're probably got the well, hotter well, takes uh, here. Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I think it was... Obviously, I, I, I like Sandine. I mean, I think during the draft year, both you and I liked him. Uh, we watched him very closely as a Marley. Um, I remember watching him, you know, even after he got drafted, like just watching him with the Sioux and being like, okay, this guy seems like a really, really good player. We saw it with the Marlies. And I mean, he's a fan favorite and definitely a podcast favorite here. Um, I was definitely shocked because I didn't feel like this trade was really connected with any of the other trades. I don't mind the value that they got from him in terms of getting the first back. Um, Eric Gustafson, I think he's a fine player. Definitely not the same. Actually, he's got good RAPMs. He's got, seems to be a decent play driver, but I felt like Sandine was definitely a guy that you'd probably want to keep around, um, considering Giordano's, you know, on the older end. Um, McCabe is only signed for two years, but, you know, I talked about this on the podcast a month ago where something could potentially could have changed during that negotiation um, where Sandin didn't sign until the until training camp. Obviously, the competition thing has been a problem for, you know, over a year now in terms of just Sandin's opportunities in general. So, you know, there, there could be something just behind the curtain that, you know, is, is going on as well. But I don't know. I think with Sandin, like, 
I, I don't. It didn't really. They didn't really need to to trade him. Is what I'm saying is is they could have kept him potentially for this playoff run. I don't think his trade value would have changed very much from now to, in the off season potentially. Um, I think the return is fine, but I don't think that just necessarily means that he was a declining asset after this. Yeah. So I guess I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I think the writing was on the wall to for Sandine to leave eventually, at least before his next contract. Um, when you have Morgan Riley on, on your team, he's making seven and a half. He's an offensive defenseman. It's tough to pay Sandy and down the road, right? Like I, I didn't think his big payday was going to come with Toronto. Um, you look at his game. He's an offensive defenseman who, who doesn't get a ton of points, even at five and five. Um, he does move the puck well, but he's on the slower end. And he's on the smaller end, even though he's pretty strong, he is on the smaller end. He's kind of maxed out physically. Um, I don't know if I, like, I, I think his ideal role, role, can't say that word for some reason today, um, I, I think his ideal role is a offensive defenseman, sheltered minutes, kind of like what you want Riley in. It's kind of awkward having them both. I did think they needed a shutdown left shot defenseman, just given that, you know, Giordano's 39, you know, maybe he can do it this year, but he probably can't do it next year at 40. I mean, you don't really want to count on it. Riley's not a guy you want against top competition. So then it's like, okay, where's Sandine play? Because Giordano only plays the left side pretty much. Riley mainly plays the left side. We haven't really seen him on the right. And Keith was never a big fan of Sandine on the right, it, it sounded like. So right. I, I thought it was happening eventually. I think the question really was, you know, do you hold him for this year, trade him in the offseason, or do you do it now and, you know, maybe sell before his value drops. I don't think his value is going up if he's not playing much. Um, I, I did think there, like, I thought there was a decent chance they were going to trade him when I saw him on the fourth pair, um, or basically out of the lineup at practice there, right, like minutes before the trade. Um, I, I did think that if they were going to do it, they were going to do someone that would help now rather than a pick. I don't know if they were, how aggressively they were shopping that pick today. I, I'm guessing that it was definitely available, though there wasn't that many known players out there that would have commanded a first um they can still trade that first at the draft they don't necessarily have to use it they could trade it back a couple times to get maybe like three players three picks instead of one who knows what they do with it but i don't know like I, i'm kind of indifferent um i think it, it gives Sandine a chance to play in washington it gives them a much better opportunity rather than just sitting on the bench waiting for an injury um and and then i did think you were trading him eventually so he has wicked. He looks wicked by RAPM. Uh, I think Gustafson does too. So maybe it's a. Hopefully it's a wash. Hopefully, hopefully Gustafson. I know Gustafson got off to a horrible start, but hopefully he kind of looks like he can be a Sandine replacement for this year at least. And then beyond this year, I guess it's. I, I want to see how they use that pick, right? Like, do they use the pick? Do they trade it? What goes on? Uh, it's a little bit of an odd one. I don't think they had to do it, but I do think it's best for the player. I guess is is one takeaway yes and and i do i it's before i guess i'm still kind of processing it because obviously with i definitely thought that they were going to trade the pick before the deadline like it just didn't really make sense to me to keep it um especially considering they just traded a first for o'reilly um like they made all these deals for this year there's you know most of them obviously with achari is also a ufa they have a ton of UFAs on the team, so it kind of made sense for them to move that pick, um, especially if they were going to get a guy with an extra year or two after this season. So, you know, we'll see with Gustafson. I, I think 
he's fine. I think he's a fine replacement. I do Duba said today that they were pretty much deciding between Gustafson or having an extra pick. I definitely would have taken Gustafson in that situation. It definitely just makes sense. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think it was definitely the most random trade in the past week. I don't think it really connected with anything else. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it, it comes down to whether you want to trade him now or in the off season. If they were gonna keep the pick, maybe you just keep Sandine and and see what you can get in the in the summer. But um, I guess if the Leafs felt like he was gonna be a declining asset and, and teams wouldn't give up, a wouldn't first. trade a first round pick, for example, in the summer, which I disagree with, then I guess it's probably a good time to trade him now. But um, yeah, tough to say. It's a weird one. Yeah, I think even dating back to the off season, I was I was kind of looking for like a a young forward, like the forward edition of Sandine. That would have been the perfect deal. Like a team that, like the LA Kings needed a left shot defenseman. Now they kind of needed more of an older player. Like Gavrikov made more sense, or Chikrin type made more sense. But you know, if you if you found a team that really could use help on on defense, and like they had an extra forward that's just as good as Sandine but plays forward in the same age, that would have been perfect, right? So I guess they didn't find that. Um, maybe they use the first. I hope they use the first for more NHL help. Um, it kind of reminds me of the the pick they used on Amirov. You know, I liked Amirov, obviously. There's uh, circumstances around that. But I did think once they traded Kapanen, they were going to use the first for an NHL player. They, used to, they decided to use the pick for themselves. It's kind of the second time this has happened where they trade for a first, you think they're going to use it, and they don't. Um, I would like to see them be, I guess, a little bit more aggressive there and, and gone out and even slightly overpaid for someone today. But, you know, it, they did do well at the deadline overall. I can't, I'm just more nitpicking. Like, I would like one more top six forward on this team. But um, they are pretty good. I think they have a chance to be excellent defensively. I'm interested to see how Achari continues to play, how O'Reilly continues to play, and how, you know, I, I really like McCabe and, and Chen against, uh, against Calgary there. So I do think it's a good team. Uh, I get the Sandine thing. It's just a matter of, you know, do you hold on to him? think he's better than Gustafson in case there's an injury or yeah. you know I do think that if there's an injury you might see Brody play the left side and you might see like it's probably right now like Lilligren didn't play against Calgary so if, if Lilligren is playing then Hall's not playing so then Hall comes in or Shen comes in who's ever the odd man out I don't know if Sandine was even going to factor in much um the other thing on Gustafson Nick is I wouldn't mind the 11 forward 7d thing because I find like Gustafson's a really nice place but I think at the time of the trade, he had six less points than Bunting. He's a nice player yeah. to have as a seven, like if you're down, right? Like if you're in the third period and you're losing, that's a guy you want on the ice. And maybe he like spells a guy like Luke Shen or spells a guy like, you know, Justin Hall or even TJ Brody if you're down. Um, and then power play two, he'd really be a good fit as well. So, I mean, bad start for him on that power play. Yarn Crow kind of threw him a terrible pass there, but... Um, I guess we'll see. Like the RPM charts are good. I'm a little bit skeptical of him defensively, um, but I, I don't know. I, it's the same with Shen. I'm gonna keep an open mind, watch him for five, ten games, and then we'll we'll make kind of stronger uh, claims about these trades. Yeah. So, yeah, I think defensively they look good. I, I guess I would ask you, in terms of just the Leafs addressing the goals that we kind of put for them um, at the deadline. Do you think? offensively they're a better team because obviously the last couple of years they've been kind of clamoring for a goal in, in elimination games they've struggled on the power play in elimination games 
do you think they address that with with what happened, especially secondary scoring? A hundred percent. They got Ryan O'Reilly. Like I don't think that's a question. Okay, and then how about let's say O'Reilly plays top six? Um, do you think that they have enough in that bottom six to? to kind of get through in terms of scoring no but i mean let's see what the lines are right like i think you could put a shutdown line together in the third line and then you you'd have to barely play your fourth line like barely play them um i do think it could work but my preference ever since the trade has been o'reilly as the third line center and have three great lines like you did when kadri was here um, I, I, the Buffalo game was crazy. Don't get me wrong, but I do think that if you are going to play O'Reilly in the top six, the bar has to be dominance, right? Like that line has to be yeah. a no doubt about it. First line to the point where they're kind of challenging the Matthews line production wise. And if that's not happening, you have to break them up and you have to kind of spread it out. Uh, I think just thinking of like how this matches up in the playoff series, like if you have O'Reilly to face top lines and then you have, uh, and then you have Matthews, and then you come in as Tavares as the third line. That's that's da- like that's a matchup nightmare to me. Um, maybe if you're at home, you can put O'Reilly up and and you play Camp as that guy. We'll see. But I just I just don't know what we're getting from Camp, especially away from Engvall, because all his success kind of came with Engvall. So I don't know. Sheldon Keith's gonna have some time here to kind of see what works, what doesn't work. It's way too early to kind of say how Lafferty works with Camp or how. You know, Kerfoot works with Camp and Lafferty. You know, we haven't seen all the combinations yet. We've only seen, I think, one and a half games of O'Reilly at center. But I am curious. I think that's the next thing he's going to try out is trying different combinations with O'Reilly and kind of seeing what works. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually probably a little higher on their bottom six scoring um, than you are. I think Achari is just such an underrated player um, in this whole thing. And, I mean, this is a guy that definitely can score. And... I've really liked their bottom six. Even in the game against Edmonton where they just got pretty much run over, I actually like the, the bottom six. Um, that Kampf-Kerfoot-Yarncrow line wasn't wasn't amazing, but I thought it was okay. And I definitely like that that bottom line uh, with Achari and Lafferty. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think they definitely have enough. Um, even if they do, like I think they're going to go with O'Reilly on that third line anyways um, and probably just put Lafferty and, and someone else there so I definitely do think that they have enough offensively and defensively there it's just pretty much just going to come down to converting um let's get into a little bit of lineups I mean we don't really need to talk about the top six but it does look like we'll have a bit of a, a race Kevin hold on hold the... on you're not going to go to the Dryden Hunt trade I thought you'd be all over that was that. a big one that, that's a that's a end of an era the... you liked him too <laughs> you liked him I didn't like Dryden Hunt I, I didn't like <laughs> You gotta look over my tweets. I did not like Dryden Hunt. I I loved him as a Marley. <laughs> yeah, you were kind of talking about him as a call up potentially down the line, but I, I mean, I I didn't mind him at the time of the trade. Like you know, let's see him. Let's you know, obviously Keith kind of gave up on Malgan. I didn't think mm-hmm. Malgan was ever playing a playoff game, so I was like, why not see what Hunt can do? Um, I'm not the biggest Aston Reese fan, so I was like, okay, maybe Hunt can improve like be an improvement over him didn't really look like one i thought he was just okay as a leaf um i know maybe he has a better chance to play in, in calgary um you know you get a center to help the marley's but i was i was just kidding we don't have to go, to go through that one let's yeah, uh yeah. let's I, go I've through been, the lineup I've been, here uh, yeah i don't know about hunt me and hunt were uh i Up don't know down. i like i really i really like malgan 
but, <laughs> but anyways um yeah so it looks like there's going to be a bit of a a forward battle here it looks like there's one spot left um to my eye you know obviously kerfoot's going to be in the top 12 there chari will lafferty will camp will to me the last spot is pretty much between four players it's between zach aston reese um holmberg mcmahon and potentially nice so what do you think about that race in general um to me right now czar looks zach aston reese seems like the front runner uh if the playoffs started now i i don't think i'd have him there i'd probably have mcmahon but um where do you have that race right now sorry this is in terms of the last spot this is the last spot yeah i think nice is gonna get a look right like he's signing it's gonna be kind of promised to look and then I would get McM- like McMahon's not playing for the Marlies tonight. He's he's hurt day to day. So if he's help if he's healthy soon, I'd get him a look. Like let's get him another handful of games. Uh, I liked him. I thought he was a bit iffy defensively, but I really like him on the four check. He's definitely better than offensively than Aston Reese, even though McMahon had no points uh, during his eight games. He was creating chances. He deserved a, a few points. Um, so. I don't know. I wouldn't mind going the eleven seven approach, but obviously Nyes with his pedigree, he's gonna get a chance. We'll see how he looks like. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets in, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they just go Aston Reese on like a super boring fourth line for defensive zone starts because that might be when Camp's getting minutes. Um, and then I would like to see McMahon. I'd like to try him out, but at this point, I, I think it's gonna be Aston Reese because. Aston yeah. Reese is the guy getting all the NHL minutes while these guys are, aren't, are right? So it, it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if, if people are pissed at Keefe come playoff time because he's not playing Nyes. But um, I guess I guess Nyes will have some say in that based on how he plays when he finally shows up. So I don't know. I mean... Yeah. I mean, if you look at it one year ago, their fourth line to, to start the series was Simmons. I don't even know who Clifford, the center was. Spezza? Blackwell, right? Blackwell, yeah, yeah, that was that was the fourth line last year. So, even if it is a Charlie Camp, Zach Aston Reese, I mean, I take that over last year's fourth line. Yeah. Week, um, I mean, obviously, game three they had Kasha, Blackwell, and Spezza, which looked a lot better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to see McMahon too. Um, Holberg's kind of the dark horse there. I mean, it seems like he's probably going to be the Mar with the Marlies there. Just for center depth there too potentially if a center gets injured then maybe Holmberg comes up but yeah we'll see when Nyes and, and Minnesota get knocked out or you know if they go all the way to the to the NCAA championship because if they do it's it's just a very small window for him to kind of get acclimated with the NHL game it's a pretty big ask uh, for him to come up and and go against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Stanley Cup finals so or Stanley Cup playoffs <laughs> Not the finals yet, nice. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. I mean, it'll be interesting because it'll definitely be you know a bit of competition as as the forwards, and then also with the defensemen. So that'll be good. Yeah. So in terms of forward lines, I like Marner with Matthews just because I. You look at the numbers with Nylander; they were really poor defensively. I think Bunting's not great defensively, um, and I just think just from a minutes allocation perspective, it kind of makes sense to have Marner there. Uh, obviously, Matthews won the the heart with Marner. Like I, I think Nylander can play with him too. It kind of depends on matchups. But I do like the idea of putting them back together with Bunting there. Um, 
And then in terms of who Nylander plays with, whether it's O'Reilly or Tavares, I think it's interesting. I'm kind of willing to see both. I hope they kind of experiment. Um, I, I like Yarn Croak across from Nylander just because Yarn Croak's been very good with Nylander and, and very much not so without Nylander or when he's in the bottom six. Maybe that's yeah. a little bit better now that O'Reilly is the third line center. So I, I would just continue to, to, to try out combinations. Uh, I'm not a huge... You know, if, if Lafferty and and Yarncroak switch places, I don't know if I'm going to have be in an uproar about it, but um, Lafferty's nice because, you know, so many forwards on this team you can trust defensively, you can trust in a matchup role, which is nice come playoff time. Um, so I don't have huge... Like, I obviously we haven't seen enough of Achari even. We haven't seen enough of Lafferty to really know who they fit best with, but... I would just keep experimenting. And I actually really like the defense pairs, Nick. Like, I love that McCabe-Brody pair. I know they went with Muzzin-Brody in last year's playoffs. McCabe is a good transition defender. He's big, he's strong. He could kill penalties. I, I find, like, that's a that's a really good shutdown pair. I know everyone wants Brody with Riley. I just think you need Brody up against top lines come playoff time, and I'm not sure that you want Riley there. So I, I think my guess is that Brody is with... McCabe come playoff time, maybe. Oh, I don't think they're splitting that up until the playoffs. Like they've looked so, they look like they were made for each other. You're talking McCabe Brody. Yeah, McCabe Brody. I don't even think they'll break it up. I'll be surprised if it looks so good. Yeah, I mean, you could try McCabe with Hall as a shutdown pair, but then you're not playing Lilligren. Um, I don't think they're gonna put Shen on the shutdown pair. I think he's more of like the defensive defenseman that you know. I do think Shen could end up with. Uh, with, I think he'll end up with Riley. I think it's going to be like the location yeah. situation where he's kind of the babysitter and Riley is, you know, you give him extra minutes if you're down, you give him less minutes if you're up. Um, and, and then I think it's kind of a battle between Lilligren and Hall for who plays with Giordano. Yeah. And Hall played really well, I, I thought, last game. Obviously, like, we're recording after the Calgary game, so we're a little bit more positive. If we recorded after the Edmonton game, we'd probably have different <laughs> opinions of Justin Hall and... Um, so, you know, time will tell. I think my preference would be Giordano Lilligren, but, um, I guess I wouldn't be completely shocked if Hall outplayed him and, and had a really good stretch. I mean, he's had good stretches in the past. Uh, I do think next game they'll probably keep the same lineup, just how, how well they played, um, with maybe Gustafson coming out as, since he was the seventh defenseman, but I don't know. It's just experimentation time. I'd like to see Lilligren in the, in the lineup, um, I do think that there's a lot of different possibilities, though, that we'll have to try out. Yeah, I think that top four, McKay, Brody, Riley, Shen, is definitely what we're going to see in the playoffs. I shouldn't say definitely, but I, I think that's what we're going to see in the playoffs. And then with Giordano, I, I just think his partner is, is probably going to change throughout the series. It's going to be one of those things where maybe they start with Gio, Gio Hall and, you know, Let's say they lose a game or something like that, and then the next game we see Giordano Lilligren. So I do think there'll be some changes there within the series as well, um, and probably at forwards as well. So um, I do. It's interesting. Like I do think there's some yeah, sorry, risk with Lilligren. Like if if he's playing really well, and then they're like, because he's had a good season. Or like I guess he didn't really play well against Edmonton, but I think he's having a really good season, and it's looked like a top, like a legitimate top four guy at times. If, if he's playing well and they just scratch him because he's young, I do think there's some risk there because, you know, if you look at Sheldon Keefe's, like, worst 10 decisions as a Leafs coach, I would say, like, nine of them came in the playoffs, right? Like, we've seen 
Thornton on power play one. We've seen Blackwell playing center. We've seen Nylander play center come playoff time. Uh, I think we saw Marinson play against Columbus. Um, you can point to Simmons and Clifford starting against Tampa. There's There's been uh, a few head scratchers. And it, it, I do think you can get into trouble when you get these, you know, guys that play heavy but might not move the puck as well or they might not, um, you know, their transition defense might not be as good as Lilligren. I do think there's some risk there that, you know, the Leafs get worse in some areas by scratching Lilligren and trading Sandine, right? So I'm interested to see how they do. I think it was a, an excellent game against Calgary. I do think that they are better defensively. I'm just, I do want to see how this team does offensively because they lost one of their best transition forwards in the bottom six. They lost Sandine, one of their better puck movers. And I think you can put Lilligren in that category too as kind of a two-way guy. So I do think there is some risk in terms of poor lineup decisions down the road, but that's kind of a, a symptom of having so many, you know, half-decent players is that sometimes someone good is scratched. Uh, I just hope, obviously... Uh, we're just hoping that Keith kind of plays the right cards and, and finds a winning formula. It hasn't happened really in, in previous playoffs, but you know, hopefully the, the winning lineup's out there this year. Yeah, I definitely think they have the options, um, but we'll wait and see. I mean, let's segue into a little bit. Like, how, how do you think the Leafs, now that the deadline's done, Kevin, compare to their first-round opponents, Tampa? in general like if the playoffs started today who would you say is the favorite i think toronto's the favorite i mean the big thing and you can point to this in any series is always goaltending but it's definitely happens when you have vasilevsky versus you know you don't even know who the leafs goalie is going to be in game one like i know as of now everyone thinks it's going to be Ilya samsonov because he's the one who's been playing and murray's been hurt but murray outplayed samsonov at the start of the season i thought and, you know, it, it, it's, I think it's going to be really who's playing best down the stretch, right? Like, it, who cares who's had the better season? If it's the last, in the last 10 games, if, if Murray's on fire and Samsonov's struggling, they're going to go with Murray and vice versa, right? So we don't really know, because the Leafs have a 1A, 1B, we don't really know even who it's going to be. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if Murray was the game one starter, to be honest. Um, I just think it's going to really depend on how he comes back from injury here and, and how he looks at the very end versus how Samsonov looks at the very end. Um, that's really the, the big question. And obviously Vasilevsky versus basically anyone is going to be advantage Tampa, but I do think Toronto's the better team. If the goaltending advantage is just, you know, even last year, I don't think the goaltending differential was, was crazy. Vasilevsky wasn't amazing. Campbell was okay. Um, I do think Toronto's just the deeper team, right? Like, Tampa's good, don't get me wrong. I don't think they're quite as good as last year. We'll see how, you know, Tanner Janot fits, and he's a good four-checker. But the Leafs, with this ability to go, and we haven't really seen it yet, but the additions of, like, McCabe and O'Reilly, like, this team looks deep, deeper than they've ever been. Like, I can pretty confidently say this is the best Leafs team I've seen um, you know, at, at least since Matthews has gone here. I don't know how far back you have to go until you see a better team. I don't really remember. But this team is is something else with, with O'Reilly up the middle and, you know, the addition of Jake McCabe and, and even the depth guys like Achari and Lafferty. So I would say advantage Leafs. But I think I've said this in the past, like there was no move that was going to make you a 60-40 favorite. Like this is a, a 55-45 or a 52-48 series, uh, that, that's all you're really going to get. 
So I'll say advantage Leafs, but it's very, very close. I think it's going to be a, a seven-game series again, and then one bounce, <laughs> one missed penalty call, or one interference call is, is could be the difference. So we'll see yeah, what happens. One one high stake penalty where it's you know the person's own stake hitting them. I don't know something like the that. The other thing, Nick, I want to see a five on three in the play. Like we haven't had. I don't think the Leafs have had one, and. Maybe, like, I know for the longest time they hadn't had one. I don't know if I missed one. But it would be so, like, it would be perfect if they just got, like, two or three against Tampa all of a sudden. Like, we're saving the, they're saving the five on threes until the playoffs. That's the goal. But I don't know. Let's hope, let's hope for some breaks this year because I think they're, they're definitely due. Yeah, I think I, uh, who knows? Has there ever even been a situation where they could have got a five on three? I don't know. Maybe in an elimination game? Can't remember. But anyways, I, I think with Tampa, I do think the Leafs are the better team right now. Um, I do really like... I, I think Tampa's forward line forward lines are quite good. Like Their third line right now is Nick Paul, Ross Colton, Tanner Janot. So, I mean, we'll see how the Leafs' third line looks with O'Reilly there. So far, so good. Um, Vasilevsky obviously keeps this team in keeps this team in games and and wins them games at the end of the day and this is a team that's won the east three years in a row in the playoffs so it's it's almost seems it feels wrong to say that they are not a favorite in a in a first round matchup but i do think the leafs should get the um get the nod there i will say this about tampa's defense pairings i mean they're big they're mean they're tough but i do think they're quite on they're definitely on the slower end Uh, i've tried to watch them this week and it's been a fun week to watch them because they've lost all three games. And one thing they've really struggled with is stretch passes and then when pucks get behind them. And it's not so much when the defensemen get into 50-50 battles, but it's more with races. I know last year, Kerfoot, Blackwell, kind of the Leafs, even Mc, uh, not McKeever, Engvall, had a ton of success of getting kind of behind the defense and winning pucks. So we'll see. Um, I think the Leafs probably... Probably in the same boat as you, 55-45, but we'll see how Tampa plays down the stretch. Um, my issue in terms of- my issue is mainly, there's a couple things. One is, like, the, they don't have Kapan and Mikhaev anymore. I know Lafferty will help in terms of getting those stretch stretch passes and breakaways. Nylander's good and at Nylander. it. Yeah. Nylander's really good at it. If he could start finishing on them. But um, shooting talent, just year after year. It's like Kerfoot cannot shoot the puck. Aston Reese, I feel like I have a better shot than Aston Reese. <laughs> Aston Reese might be the worst offensive forward in the league. Like he is, he has no offensive talent, like none. Um, very, like he's very responsible defensively, um, but at the same time, it's just kind of interesting, like how far that can get you um, with with coaches. But I, I don't know. Like obviously, Matthews an outstanding shot. Nylander, Marner's really improved his shot over the years. O'Reilly will help. Tavares is there. Um, I think the additions... Lafferty's of... shooting shooting pretty high this year. Yeah, we'll see with Lafferty. I think part of that's just... I don't know if he's a great Lafferty. shot. I think it's more like he gets breakaways, I guess. Um, and then, you know, can can you get the odd secondary goal that you weren't getting in previous years from someone like Achari? So, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully it's... Just this East right now, the Tampa, Boston, and then Carolina, Jersey, or even like Shesterkin and the Rangers. Uh, yeah. it, it it's tough to see a path, but I'm sure every like everyone's kind of saying that, right? Like, um, it is 
even if you're Tampa, you're looking at it going, we got to play Leafs, Boston, Carroll. Like, they got the same path that, that the Leafs do. Um, yeah. You can only play the, the card you're, you're dealt, I guess. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. you got to win one at a time. I, I do think... I really like what Boston did. I think I've been I've been watching a little boss little bit of Boston this week and Orlov just looks really, really, really good. Um I still do think that they're the favorite in the Atlantic after the after the deadline. Um so you know, I mean Jersey got better, Carolina's just one of the, the model teams in the league and then obviously the Rangers will we'll see what happens with them. Um Patrick Kane on that team will be very interesting, uh, but luckily they got Shosturk in there to uh, cover up any defensive problems that are there. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. It's going to be such a fun kind of stretch here. I think this is probably the most excited I've been for non-Leaf matchups. Like, that Jersey Rangers series is going to be really fun. Um, and even who Boston plays, like especially if Buffalo get in or, no. or even if Ottawa get in. No, it won't. It won't. That'll be a good series. It's going to be a four-game series. It's going to be Buffalo. I don't know. Did you watch the Leafs play Buffalo? That's going to be a sweep. Five match. I don't know. Well, we'll see. They're played tomorrow at uh, 12.30. I definitely don't think, like, oh, sorry, the Lightning play uh, the Sabres. But it's, I don't know about a four-game series. I'm not putting my money on that. Sounds like a waste of seven days, as Terrell Sutter would say, but... (laughs) <laughs> I want I want we'll the see. Islanders I, to make it because I think they have the best chance of beating Boston with Sorokin and obviously Engvall. Engvall starting on Horvat's line, eh? That's kind of a good yeah, Lucky Horvat. Yeah, and lucky it's, Horvat. Uh, it's, That's why he extended, um, eh? That's why Horvat extended. Inv- he was like, I know. I'll extend, like, but Get me a player. Engvall's get me a winger. <laughs> um, yeah, and he has no beard now. I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I mean, that's... Every single Islanders player, so yeah, it's, so it's not as weird as Volcanic. So I've got some some random stuff here. So scrolling on Twitter, a five game suspension for Cascasuo for this for a bottle throw that hit the ref. So former Marley's legend. Yeah, I have no comment other than um, it's kind of funny to watch. Yeah, um, and then kind of cool. I think the Riley Shen pairing is pretty cool because both of them went fifth overall um one in 2008 i think riley was 2012 yeah um so i think it's just pretty cool obviously them being on the same line in 2023 you know together completely different routes to get here obviously riley's been with the team throughout his whole tenure shen got traded one day later right yeah, actually, I saw your tweet there, which is pretty cool. You said 12 hours? Well, it was the next day of the draft, so I just estimated yeah. 12 hours. But it's probably like 15 hours, something like that. We, um, But, you know, with Shen, obviously, his leaf time wasn't the same as Riley's. I mean, the team was completely different. Goes away, wins two cups, and now gets to come back and plays with Riley. So I think that's pretty special. They're, they're actually the only two defenseman that the Leafs have used a top five pick for in the last like I think it's like 35 or 40 years it's it's a long time yeah I mean it's special for now if they start that's so cool if they start leaking goals against we'll we'll have other thoughts it won't be so special, it's not as but, cool no but for <laughs> now it's uh interesting but I guess let's get out of here with some uh, just final thoughts around the league I actually I don't know how Ekholm's gonna age but I really liked what Edmonton did like 
going from Tyson Berry to Matias Ekholm is like night and day defensively. It's just what the Oilers needed. I think the Oilers are like a decent cup contender, to be honest. Like they 100%. just because of the strength of the West, like the lack of strength in the West, right? Um, they have to be like with McDavid with that power play. They got better defensively. If Skinner can get hot, um, really like especially if Makar's out, which we'll see. Um, you know who's better in the in the West than Edmonton? I don't know. Like it's, it's such a weird team because they were they haven't been great at five on five this year. But I do think that was a nice addition. I wish they were even more aggressive and got a forward too, or or got two defensemen, but. It, we've seen enough Tyson Berry to kind of know that's not the recipe for success in the playoffs. And Ekholm is kind of one of the premier shutdown defenders. So again, might not age well. I don't know how Ekholm's going to age. But for now, for this year specifically, that's a, a nice addition for them. Any other deals you really like, Nick? Well, I love that Ekholm deal um, as well. I think the Oilers are the clear favorite in the West. Um, even if they were in the East, I think that they'd would potentially make some noise. I think just McDavid has 118 points in 62 games. Holy. Um, it's ridiculous. I mean, we, he's at 52 goals in 62 games. Um, and he's still got, you know, X amount of games left to, to hit 60 and even 65. So, I mean, he's just on a different in a different world. The Leafs weren't good the other night, but even if they were good, I mean, the way McDavid was playing, I still think that Edmonton was, was probably going to win or, or it was going to be a close game because he's playing so well. Um, other than that, I do... I just love the Timo Meyer to uh, to play with Heischer, uh in New Jersey. I think that's just such a great fit. Uh, that'll be just a really, really good team for the next X amount of years. So uh, I'm trying to think other teams that, that uh, kind of swung. I, I really didn't really pay attention too much to the west trades I, they were just so small in comparison to how big the east was i think there's um, a couple that stood out to me one was chikrin to ottawa because it's like yeah that team needed to get better defensively and i i didn't think they overpaid given it was three years two for them uh, i guess they're kind of in the playoff picture um it, it's just kind of nice to see ottawa get a little bit better after the the terrible how bad the offseason turned out to be um, and then the, I thought Boston, as you mentioned, Orlov, I didn't want Pertuzzi for the Leafs cause I just thought another rental that they couldn't really sign and didn't really make sense to me. But for them, for a team that has eight regulation losses this year, half as many as the Leafs, um, uh, they're in go for it mode. Bergeron's not getting any younger. I, I completely understand why they're going after both Orlov and, and Bertuzzi. So I thought they had a deadline that made sense. Um, I, I think... The addition of Timo Meyer, obviously, with with the Devils is just that team is so so good. Uh, I think they're a real underdog if they get in the playoffs. If they get uh, if they get good goaltending, look out for that team. They can beat anyone. Um, Which team is that? The Devils. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And then like Luke Hughes, Simon Nemec coming, Alexander Holtz on the way. They they got a they're gonna be good for so long. The Devils like the mm-hmm. next ten years. Look out for that team, and then. Um, yeah, I mean, the West is pretty disappointing, to be honest. I, I'm surprised they didn't get really anyone. Um, I mean, Gavrikov, I guess. But, yeah, just a, Whatever. other than that Edmonton yeah. one, it was a, such a disappointment. So, for that conference as a whole, um, it's uh, it's interesting. But I guess I got one rant here before we get out of here, if, if you're ready for it. Let's do it. Okay, so I, I, I think 
the goaltending thing in Toronto is a little bit nuts, right? Like, if you look at last offseason and the goaltenders that were available, you know, people wanted John Gibson, people wanted Philly Huso, who's been doing okay. Some people wanted to extend Jack Campbell. Some people wanted to trade for Mark Andre Fleury, who hasn't had a very good year. Some people wanted Kim Talbot, who's kind of been hurt and, and a little bit ineffective. Uh, people almost want the crystal ball, right? Like, I think... Sam like Samsonov alone has been fantastic. Him alone, even if 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 you're lower on Murray, has been pretty fantastic. I think Murray himself has had stretches where he looks like he could be a playoff starter and go on a run, but he's also been hurt and had some some bad games as well. But at the same time, like you can't get a crystal ball here, right? Like it's I don't know the standards for like the goaltending is a little bit ridiculous, where it's like. Nobody wants to give their opinion on on what goaltender the Leafs should get, but if if Samsonov struggles, it's like Dubas should have had a crystal ball. You know what I mean? Like it's like I think he had a pretty good offseason from a goaltending perspective. I have my criticisms of some of Dubas's moves in the past, but I don't think I'm looking at the goaltending thing, and and I I don't know if they could have done that much better um based on the early results so obviously like he doesn't have a crystal ball he doesn't know how they're going to play in that one week stretch in the playoffs but given like the names out there i think i got to give him an a for goaltending and i don't think you could i don't think it's necessarily fair to just look at the playoffs see what happens and, and evaluate that way obviously if samsonov's like an 850 you're gonna have some questions but i do think that they've gone out and they've kind of got two goaltenders that are capable at a very cheap price and um, they avoided disaster, which is kind of big in, in NHL goaltending, given all the bad contracts. 100%. I just think people's standards for what goaltending is and what it should look like is probably just a little bit high. And especially with the third goalie type thing, it's like, oh, they should go get him, get someone because Murray might be out for the playoffs. It's like, I think the management knows Murray's current injury situation and they'd probably trade for someone if they felt like he was well, he might play out. tomorrow so sounds like he's playing tomorrow, yeah like he's already skating likely. i mean I, I feel like they have a pretty good grasp this is a management that went out and traded for a third goalie uh during was it the 2020 year um yeah, no, it's a blur but and then also went for for aaron dell so i mean i don't think that they're opposed to getting a, a third goalie but I, I don't think it was necessary at all in this situation no, I would have taken someone, but then again, like you need you need cap space, or you got to move someone else, and you got to get trading a pick an asset, for it. Whatever it is, and, yeah. and, and Joseph Wall looked like a very capable third goalie, uh, at least last night. So obviously, you hope that one of Samsonov or or Murray runs with the job, but every team's kind of in the same boat. Like if if Vasilevsky gets hurt, um, Tampa's kind of done for. Maybe not in a single series, but. They're not going to win four series, I don't think, with Elliott. Um, so, a lot, lots of teams are in this. We can play what if, and and you know, hope we have a crystal ball. But um, I don't know. It's the the, the goaltending, the, the the standard that people think for goaltending is a little bit ridiculous when people won't give their own opinions of, of who they should get. But yeah. let's go through the last question here, Nick. The Leafs play three games this week, so I'm going to go Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. Wow, it's a oh, pretty yeah. boring yeah, week. Literally, so I just thought. So Vancouver to start at Canucks, who did not sell JT Miller. They did not want picks. Um, at Devils, which is a wicked game. I think the Devils are a really good team. 
And then versus Oilers, a little rematch after the Oilers dominated against Toronto the other night. So what what record are you are you hoping for? Is just two and one? Is that is that it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean that Devils game. I was looking actually at some of the top teams in the East and and how they fared against the Leafs and. Only the Devils and the Hurricanes have outplayed the Leafs at 5-on-5 five five out of those top six. So should be a fun game. We'll see how that kind of that defensive core go- does against the Devils on Tuesday. But, yeah, I'll go two wins. I mean, you definitely want to beat the Canucks um, just in the, the fair that they're in right now. And then Oilers, you need some redemption there. And then I guess we'll, we'll peg the loss away against the Devils, who are just red hot. Yeah, that Devils team is so good. They are so good, and they're going to be good for a long time. So I'll say 2-1 and one as well. But thanks, everyone, for listening. It was definitely a, an interesting trade deadline. Nice to see some big additions in O'Reilly McCabe. Hopefully we have some, uh, some good games to talk about down the stretch here and into the playoffs. So thanks, everyone, for listening again, and we'll see everyone next week.